Fighting. Hatred. Fear. Had enough of the noise? Aloha and welcome to Energetic Health Radio Healers. Uh, I'm going to keep this opening segment very, very short today because we have three special guests on uh, from Maui. Um, uh, two that are going to tell us what actually happened there. And it's worse than we're being told. And one who's going to tell us what is going on in a good way there. And what we're doing at the Energetic Health Institute and other grassroots organizations to make sure people don't accept the strings of FEMA and the Red Cross and all these folks that have all this money. And of course, their money comes with strings attached to it, that we want to help the people of Maui without strings, right? It's an adult conversation. I'm not going to get into the advertising stuff you know um i just tell you that uh, healing for the ages is coming up right september 7th 8th and 9th we've uh, set it up so that the people of maui um can attend uh free the entire weekend um if they're able to to connect with us and get some of the love the aloha and the information that we have waiting for them um so if you're one of those people on the island of maui and um you've been a uh, affected by Lahaina um, and uh, these fires, you know, and just it's hard, folks. You know, we've been through so much. We've all been through so much, and we got more to go through. You know what I mean? Um, you know, just send an uh, send an email to questions at healingfortheages.com questions at healingfortheages.com and we're going to ask you a couple questions just to simple verify that you're legit not trying to get one over and then we'll send you the promo code so that's uh so that it's uh no charge for you we want you there we love you we want to support you um i've been to the islands many times and i made myself a promise the last time i left that the next time i go i wouldn't leave you know that's where i want to be a lot of you know me as Dr. Henry Ely, but there's a very interesting story about what I, well, my name that I was given on the island of Kauai in 2001 in Hanalei. I'll tell you about it one time. I don't have time to tell you about it here now. But I just want to say the islands are very, very special, very sacred to me. And I want you to feel what these women are going to share with you today. It's important that we have this adult conversation about what's really going on. You're going to hear some things from people who actually are on the island of Maui. We're going to tell you um, what they've seen, what they've experienced, what they've felt, what they've lost. And then when we get into the next segment, they're going to be telling you about where the hope and the aloha still exists. All right. Um, so thank you so much for listening in today. I want to save as much time as we can for our special guests, Mindy and Madeline Barrett. Um, 
lost really so much in the Maui fires and uh, uh, Caprice Winneman, um, graduate from the Energetic Health Institute and just overall amazing person who has been coordinating relief efforts on behalf of the Energetic Health Institute and just her awesome self um, just stepping in and going, hey, what can I do to help, right? When people need help, we help. That's, that's what love does, right? So I got to say to all three of you, thank you so much for joining us today. I want everybody to get a quick cue on the voices here. So Mindy, uh, how are you doing today, love? We're stable-ish. Stable-ish, right? It's probably an improvement, huh? It is an improvement. Yeah. 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 And Madeline, how about yourself? How are you doing today? Um, I get you know, slightly more into the real world every day. Caprice, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I, I'm i here really to be a supporter for people like Mindy and Madeline uh, who are just really getting through moment to moment and just can't see, you know, beyond that, that day. Um, and I want to be... A, a, an available a person who's available for people like them to really kind of hold their hand and to fill in the gaps. Amen. Right. Amen. Well, starting off, I, I think there's a lot of people who don't understand the deep connection that the people of the islands have with the land, you know, and how sacred everything is on the land. So um, I want to start with you, Mindy, and just ask, what does Maui mean to you? I've been coming to this this island chain since I was three from the mainland. My grandmother lived here. And from a very young age, I knew it was incredibly special, magical, beautiful, loving place. And then as an adult, being here, what Maui offers me is home like she just we call her mama maui because she does she just holds you she holds you in such love and encouragement while also smacking you back into the road <laughs> you know mamas have to be tough sometimes you know but she really helps you heal through anything you have going on while also helping you stand and you, it's literally palatable. Aloha is real. Amen. It is. And yes. It's, you can feel it on the land. You can feel it in the water. You can feel it from the people. Mm -hmm. Aloha is alive and it is still alive. Amen to that. Aloha is still alive. There's our title right there for the show. Okay. Aloha is still alive. Madeline, same question to you. What does Maui mean to you? Maui definitely means community. Um, everyone here shows up for each other. And during this time, it's been an incredible example of that. Um, it means caring about the land. Malama Aina is a really important phrase that gets carried around here. And the enormous respect that everyone displays for the land and the ocean every day and holding each other accountable. Amen, right? 
You don't see people throwing trash in the ocean or on the grounds or nothing like that, right? That's a big no-no. No, No. and if you do, you're getting called out for it. That's right. That's how it's supposed to be, right? That's how it's supposed to be. Sacred land gets treated like this. Caprice, for you, what does Maui mean to you? Hawaii is my home. I I was born and raised here. I'm I'm, um, not Hawaiian, but I am absolutely a local, and it's home. I, you know, I, I have a, like many people um, who live here have a deep respect for the land and the ocean. And I just really appreciate the cleanliness and the beauty um, and everything that Maui has to offer. Um, I feel really blessed to have grown Mm. up here and, and call it home. Amen to that. Right. Amen. Well, we, we had a, a situation, we had something happen that um, has definitely shaken us all, right? And it's palpable. You can feel it all around the world, really, everywhere I am. I mean, people have had this conversation of it. Um, I, I have just an incredible curiosity of what actually happened, right? And I think, Madeline, we're going to go to you first. Um, just... What happened and didn't happen leading up to the fire and during it and the chaos and everything? Can you be so kind as to paint that picture for everybody listening? Yeah. Um, I lived in Waikikuli neighborhood um, in Lahaina. And uh, that morning, the power went out at around five o'clock and we had heard that there was a fire up um, Lahaina Luna, but they had said that they put it out in the morning time and everyone had gone around um, checking out the damage of the town because the winds had blown roofs off of um, the buildings downtown. And at that point, I think everybody was just kind of anticipating it being like a regular hurricane that we've had before and going to the grocery store, going back home and then around like, you know, three o'clock watching my house is a little higher up than everybody else's was. And so watching the black cloud of smoke get larger and larger um, as the, the minutes crept by And then eventually people were outside of their homes. I went outside a couple of times just to see like what was going on and how, like what was the feel of the road and what people were thinking. And probably by about four o'clock, maybe even earlier, it was gridlocked going out of my neighborhood and on the main highway outside of the neighborhood. And I remember at about like 4.30, I could hear the propane tanks blowing up one after another after another. And I looked at the family friend that we had staying with us, our seven-year-old friend, and saying, grab whatever you love, put it in a suitcase. We got to get in the car. We got to go. And watching no, no sirens, the emergency alarm system did not go off the entire time. There was no police or anything. All you could hear was sirens all day. And the police didn't come by and tell anyone to evacuate. It was all, it was everyone for themselves. There was no order to anything. No one knew what was going on. The 
cell phones had been dead all day. It had been super spotty service in and out, no calls. Maybe a text could go through every like 30 minutes, maybe. And um, at that point, we loaded up the car. My best friend lived five houses down from me and had run over. And she said that as soon as she got out of the house, you could feel the heat and the smoke just hit you as soon as you got outside of the house by how hot it already was. Uh, At that point, I had gone outside and packed the car and got the cats out from the crawl space under the house. And a woman ran up to me who had just gotten off work and was like, what's going on? And everybody was just saying, Lahaina's gone, Lahaina's burning. You got to get out. You got to go. And we got in the car and we just drove north as far as we could. Um, And that night I slept in the Nupili Market parking lot and watched the glow of the town just get bigger and bigger. And I was so scared that it was going to come all the way up north um, for us. And when I got into the parking lot, there were maybe 10 cars and I didn't sleep the entire night, obviously. And the next morning, there were probably 250 people in that parking lot and pulling out of there all along the street. Everybody had, you know, run out of gas and just gotten as far as they could. There's stories coming out of there. The Lahaina Luna had been barricaded by the police right around the time that I was evacuating. And there's stories of the kids weren't in school. It was their first day of school. And they went home to stay with their elderly while their parents went to work. And they couldn't get out. They couldn't get out and they had to run for their lives and they watched their friends burn alive as they ran. And there's people that had to leave their elderly at home because they just couldn't get them. And at that point, they had also barricaded off Front Street with people on the road and they are trapped, totally trapped. And there's People, they're finding whole families in cars just burned all together. There was people, that hundreds of people jumping off of the walls into the ocean to get away from the flames. And even then, the ash was so thick that the ocean was burning. There's people that were in the ocean for over 12 hours. And there are people that did not make it out of the ocean. And lots of them a lot of people and there's a lot of people that are washing up on neighboring islands now um for the past two weeks even now and it was horrendous and i think all of us thought you know maybe we'll go back to our houses in the morning and it was absolutely insane and horrifying to find out what actually happened the next day hearing people come there was one s turns um this beach park that was the only space that we could get service and that morning i woke up and immediately went there and called my mom and was like i'm alive and everybody else in the parking lot was calling their loved ones and you know Everybody asking, have you seen my family? Have you seen this person? Have you seen my friends? And all of us in Lahaina have lost people. And they're still not, they're still not accounted for. And the missing is 
not after two weeks, it's not good. It's not likely that they're alive. My goodness. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this. Um, you know, it's the, the images and I, I can feel the, the horror of what you've seen, you know, and what you felt. That's why I wanted to bring you on. I wanted people to hear from someone that was there and stop the, the spinning of what's going, what could have happened. You weren't there. You couldn't know. She was there. Madeline Barrett was there. She knows. I'm gl so glad you got out. Um, we just saw the story from MSN saying that the people who survived were the ones that ignored the barricades and said, you know, and were willing to leave their cars and just get on foot to get away and things like this. It's, I, I still can't imagine why there wouldn't be a sounding of the alarm at some point and letting people know you've got to get out, right? And helicopters hopefully screaming to people around the island, you've got to get out right now by any way. Nothing. Yeah, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. The They couldn't even turn the water on. The water was not working when they turned on the fire hydrants. So even the fire department ran. We, I couldn't, I can't, the thing that I, I can't wrap my head around right now is the first day of school. The power's out. A fire has already happened in the morning. Why would you send these children back in without knowing their parents aren't there? Send them back into this place. That doesn't make sense to me. They didn't send them back into school. They they, they sent them home. home. They sent them home. Well, that's what I'm saying. You sent them. They were at school where maybe it's safe. They didn't, they didn't go to people. school that morning because just the didn't. Out at 5 a.m. Yeah. Oh, so the parents okay. had to go to work. And the parents didn't have a plan because it was the first day they were supposed to go to school. Yes, I see. child care in place because we right. didn't need it. And so the ones that were old enough to stay on their own stood out on their own. And the ones that weren't stayed with their elderly relatives. And there was no warning. And really, like, we literally have fires two, three times a year. Do they if warn you when those fires come? Well, the thing is, is they said that they sent out a text message alert. And but, we normally get those. And But there was no cell phone service. So nobody got any any warning at all. Which is why people were in the streets going, what's going on? That's why they were driving down town to try to figure out what is going on. See, my concern with all of this, I think, is this ridiculous smart island concept. You know, and my concern with this is that they changed the law, you know, what was it? How much a month before, two months before, how long, when did that law change? It was a month. I think it was last month. Tell yeah. everybody about this. Most, most people haven't heard about this. Tell the everybody governor, about the law that was changed. Yeah. The governor changed the law that the, that native land was up for grabs if it was destroyed by a natural disaster. And did he change this without uh, unilaterally did he change this with the legislature's approval it was was the process did he just do it it just did it they just did it we don't know the answer I to don't that know question how it went through but it went through and it certainly it wasn't with native approval now of course not why would you right, right? why would exactly. you ever approve that right exactly yeah. nobody would right there's, there's been natural disasters before that doesn't mean i should lose my land 
you know, over it. Right. So Mindy, you were off Island. You thankfully get this wonderful call from your daughter saying "I'm, I'm alive, right? You're doing everything you can to get back. You finally get back and you go and you walk through where your house once was. What did you see? You couldn't even get to that. Um, I had talked to her. The phone had just sort of kind of barely enough gotten signal to where we were texting back and forth. Okay. And she said, mom, I got to go. We got to go. And from that moment for about 12 hours, no, probably 18 hours, I didn't hear from her. I had no idea. I just knew that my daughter was smart, resourceful, resilient. And if there was a way out, she was going to find it. God bless that, right? And she did. She We had adopted seven animals on island um, from the neighborhoods and from the Humane Society. And Madeline got six of them out yeah. and our elderly friend. And yeah. she had the wherewithal to grab some oranges on the way out the door with some water. And uh, and she knew not to go the, where they had told everyone to evacuate to was literally a few blocks from our house. And she had the wherewithal to know that that was not appropriate, that she needed to go further. And she did. And so this whole time. After I talked to her, it was I was on the East Coast with my elderly parents who are not well. Mm-hmm. And. um we both live in that Waihikuli house did. Um, And as soon as I got off the phone with her, I started looking for flights, but there really aren't any flights that get me there any sooner than going in the morning. And so that's what I did. I got on the first flight I could get onto in Charlotte and on the way to the airport, I was, I had stopped and bought a tent some canned food, um, rubber gloves, because I had no idea what I was walking into, but I had my suspicions. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got on the ground. I would think I was in Seattle or something on my way out. And she called. Charlotte, you were in Charlotte. Oh, I was in Charlotte. Yeah. And I was on the plane and I said, I'm on, I'm so glad you're alive. I'm coming. And then I didn't talk to her again until she was able to get enough gas in one of the cars to get over the backside, which is like an hour and a half on a good day. And it's it's literally cliff outside of your window mm-hmm. and water beside your driver's side tire. I mean, you might have a foot on each side before mm-hmm. one of those two extremes is affecting your par- passenger compartment. And um, she got out. She drove them out. She had lived in her car for about 36 hours on a couple oranges. She saved all the water for the animals. And I watched people brawl over food at lunch that next day. And I said to myself, it is going to get really ugly over here. I need to go. So I, I came and she drove herself out. And I've never, I will never forget the hug. Mm that I gave her when she got out of that car. Amen to that. I've never been so proud and grateful and just overwhelmed with emotion than seeing my kid drive up 
after having escaped this fire, not just a wildfire, this fire. With six out of seven of our fur babies and our our elderly friend in the car. I mean, mm-hmm. she she's a rock star. She really is. That's right. Yes, that's what love does. There's aloha for you. Right. Hey, Mindy, we got a few minutes still here. I need to paint this picture for people of what you saw when you went and finally were able to go and see where your home once stood. Can you tell us a little bit about this? I'm really curious about these metals as well that you're seeing out there. Yeah. um, We went before FEMA got here. We went two days later. Yeah, it was two days later. So it happened on Tuesday. I got here on Wednesday. We went back on Friday. So we went in on Friday and we were going to go get her best friend, Mary, and go sift through the house and see if there was anything there. And um, there were cops guarding the entrances and they were saying, I'm just telling you, I don't advise it. They weren't saying you can't go. They were just doing their due diligence and saying you're entering a dangerous area. And we walked past and we walked into our neighborhood because you couldn't drive up to the house. And it's, it's crazy. Like it looks like a black and white picture. Um, the houses are dust. There's, it's not that there's pieces of them left. And, you know, like when you see like timbers charred and pieces of trusses and no, it's dust with some metal roofing everywhere. And what's interesting about it too, is that the fire was so hot. It didn't register for me immediately. I'm like, what are all these streams of silver or something going down the roads? It's the aluminum off of the wheels. The rubber is gone. The tire or the the wheel itself is sitting there with little pieces of wire around it which was the the i don't know what you call it the basically the metal pieces in the trip in the tire treads the word is eluding me i don't know why i might be stressed out (laughs) but there's all these streams of silver looking metal it's all the aluminum that's melted and it's running down the streets and it's all over people's driveways and and then you look deeper And there's puddles of silver where people had their silverware or their jewelry collections and the silver is melted. And I don't know where my refrigerator is. Like it's gone. Like it's literally not visible. My stove is still there. My washing machine and dryer that were stackable are bent and mangled, but they're still there. I don't know where my refrigerator is. I can't find it. We had a chest freezer in the in the kitchen. I don't know. It it the shell of it is barely even there. Yeah, it's 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 unidentifiable. And we had a I had a she shed or ohana as we call them in the in the backyard and what? It's it, it's literally this high is what's left of it. No joke. It's this high. It was made with four by four posts and yeah, it, it had a deck and everything. 
this high. I don't, I don't mean that things are charred and burnt. I mean, things are dust. They're dust. There are no words. There are no words. And that is true for everybody in the neighborhood. Now across the street, a foot and a half out of our yard and across the street, nothing is even affected. Our neighbors across the street, we saw them. They said there's not even any dust on the table. There's everything inside of our house is untouched and totally fine. And it just seems odd that the wind comes from behind our house down the mountains and to the water. So the people that are across the street from me are downwind. But the burning charred effects stop a foot and a half outside of our yard. And that's true all the way down the road. Straight it's, line. It's like a straight line. huh? It's literally, a, it's the craziest thing. It doesn't make sense. Does, right. The pieces don't fit together. Folks, we got to take a short break. We're going to come back with uh, Mindy and Madeline Barrett. We're going to come back with Caprice. We're going to now kind of shift this energy in the next segment and see if we can move some things up. But I do have one more question before we shift that energy that we didn't get to here. All right. And then we're going to start talking about what we're doing about this. Okay. So we'll be right back with more Energetic Health Radio right after these messages. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio.
right, healers, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening in on this. I know it's a hard conversation, right? But we need to know, okay? And I do think there's some very odd things that are going on. And I'm open to hearing the explanations. I'm open to hearing why you don't blow a siren. I'm open to hearing why you don't make sure people are getting out and bullhorn if you have to. I'm, I'm open to hearing this. And maybe there is a good explanation. I don't know. I'm also open to hearing how somebody's house downwind doesn't catch fire and that there are straight lines going on because I know something about God. God doesn't build in straight lines, but man does. And that makes me very curious. I'm very curious how a fire that usually burns at 800 to 1200 degrees Fahrenheit gets up to 1700 to 2000. I'm very curious about these things. All right. And like I said, I don't know. But I have a right to ask these questions. And I think the people of Maui are asking these questions too. It's this elephant in the room that people aren't really talking about, right? One of the other elephants that I got to know about, because you all know me, I'm about the kids. All right. I keep hearing these different counts, these different counts of how many kids died. And then you all told me something that floored me before we got on to the recording today. What happened to the kids? Tell us. I think that the kids, I think everyone was set up for failure and the kids took the worst end of it. Um, there are hundreds of kids that did not make it out and it was 100% preventable uh, the sirens could have gone off. The emergency management guy pled that they were normally used for tsunamis and that, that he didn't think that it was appropriate because the people would have gone towards the fire like we're some idiots. And I, the kids were trapped and they were left to fend for themselves and they didn't have the tools to do that. How many kids are dead? Hundreds. Hundreds of kids. I'd say, I'd say probably at least 500 children are gone out of Lahaina. There are whole entire classes that half of the kids are gone. And they're missing, but it's been two weeks. And the parents know what's up. They know that their children are gone. I mean, this is a community that they're gathering up the stray cats. If they saw a kid he would not be ignored. He would not be looked over. People are gathering animals right and left. Anything that looks like it needs help, they they would not be just not noticing these live children that are missing. It's, it's They're awful. Gone. They're gone. The numbers that are coming out in the news. They don't want to say it. They don't want to say it because everyone is going to be outraged if they knew how many children are dead. And even the numbers of, of, of victims that they're saying, it's so much more than that. It's so much more. It's so much more than what they're saying. And not including all the people that are dying after the fact. After from the fact health complications and whatnot and suicide. And we, they have a friend who got out of the fire 
went to her parents' house in Ohio, made it to her parents' house and didn't wake up the next morning. All right, we're going to stop for a second here, folks. If you're listening in, I want you everybody to stop and just have a moment for these children and the elders and everybody who didn't make it out of these fires and Let's not breeze past this, huh? It's worse than they are telling us, yes? It's worse. It's not the houses. If you ask anybody in this town, none of them would say, what's the biggest problem that you have right now? What's hurting your heart the most? Nobody cares that their house is gone. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, none of us like that. It's a, it's, it's a complicated, difficult, challenging thing to recover from. But we would all lose our houses if we could just protect the people that they're not just gone, they burnt alive. And it could have been prevented. Folks, I got to speak my heart here. That's murder. They tried to kill my kid. They almost killed my kid. They will say it's incompetence. We didn't know. We made a bad decision. That bad decision cost thousands of people their lives. And the people that made it out, how many of those parents lost their children? Now they have to live with that pain. And then you're on top of that going to steal their land. I want you to understand what is going on here. It's wrong. We can get lost in the theories. How did it start? And who did this and that? And all. So what? They're gone. They're gone and they didn't have to be that way. And what I see are government officials who are callous to this. I didn't see one shedded tear from that governor. I didn't see one shedded tear from the police chief. I didn't see one shedded tear from anyone that they put out there in front of those damn cameras. Not one shedded tear. Where is the heart? This is the heart of Aloha. Where is it? I watched the head of FEMA smirk on that conference meeting. They moved all of the local aid that was set up in the Longs or Walgreens parking lot. They moved them. They made them move across the street and then up to Kanapali because the president was coming. And no one's allowed to get into the neighborhood to look for their animals because the president president and when did the how long was it until the president showed up two weeks two weeks two weeks and did the president yeah. shed a tear or did he try to make a stupid joke <laughs> to show how disconnected and how heartless these people are about the dogs boo oh this ground is hot i personally don't know because i couldn't bring myself to watch it i watched it I watch I, all of them. I watch all their body language. I watch everything they do. You I'm can glad tell that. when someone is genuinely compassionate and hurting at the thought of children dying. Where is the outrage among 
the politicians for calling for not people's jobs, but calling for criminal charges, criminal investigations. You don't hear any of that rhetoric. You hear them shouting down people asking questions. You hear them pushing the people of Maui around who are already in suffering. And like you said earlier, Mindy, Aloha is still alive. We're taking care of each other. People on the ground are taking care of the people that live here. And we got one of those people on this interview, don't we? We do indeed. Caprice, what are we doing out there to help the people? There's there's a lot being done. Um, there were a huge, there was a huge lag in help in the beginning uh, for those survivors that had made it up to the north side of of um, the Kanapali direction. And a lot of the local people who owned boats, uh, because they were the road, the main road, it's it's basically one way in, one way out. It was blocked off and these people were stuck. So a lot of the local people who owned boats, owned uh, you know, fishing boats and tour boats and things like that, and jet skis, I believe, I'm um came over and brought over donations of food and clothes and things to drop off at the beach when they were realizing that the government had not uh, stepped in to do what they needed to do and they just weren't moving fast enough. Um, and these people, like they said, weren't able to communicate to their outside community because they didn't have phone service. Um, if they did, it was very shoddy and spotty. Uh, so it is really beautiful to see that the people who are directly unaffected by the fires are coming together and using their strengths, their personal strengths that they have to do what they can. Um, volunteering time, volunteering supplies, money. Uh, and now those, I think, very basic needs are starting to be met as far as, you know, food and meals and um, some some shelter and things like that. And I've been talking to friends who have their boots on the ground and are doing different services. And the thing that I keep hearing over and over again is that people need liaisons they need people to help them get organized so they can acquire their do right documents that they need so they can file uh you know claims with the insurance companies so they can file for financial aid um through these bigger organizations to make sure that they get what is coming to them um hopefully and that is one thing that I'm hearing a lot of. The other thing that I'm hearing a lot of about is uh, about mental health. Um, the, a lot of the supporters who are supporting these victims are needing some mental health support. And, and now, and the victims are maybe not quite there yet because like I said, they're living moment to moment from what I can see and understand. But in a week or two or in about, you know, a month from now, they're really going to need some mental health support. 
you know, it, it's, they are, they not only lost all of their monetary belongings, but they lost their community. Their local grocery store is gone. Their favorite restaurant is gone. Their neighbors are gone. Their friends are gone. You know, the, it, the, the domino effect of this tragedy is so much bigger than what we can really even fathom. Um, and then there's the outside communities, you know, the people whose homes are still there, but their workplaces are gone. Um, they, they, or their workplaces are there, but they can't work because they rely on tourism and the tourism has completely shut down right it's gone so the domino effect is huge and i think that from what i'm hearing from the people that i'm speaking to is that if we can try to stay one step ahead of 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 these people's needs um support the victims and support the supporters then we will you know rise from the ashes as a community but I think that in my personal opinion, it's it's more about diversity and um, supporting these local venues who are, like we said, boot, have their boots on the ground. Um, there's tons of money coming in. There's a, there's a surplus of food coming in. There's food actually rotting because they can't even get it to people um, fast enough. So... I think that if we can just do what we can do individually, us who are not directly affected, who did not lose our homes or our immediate community, um, then we, we will find some solutions. I don't have the answers, but that is what I think will help us find the answers. Something that's very interesting to me right now, Caprice, is because um, it... I know we have the the kits and things like that that we've been doing at the school. You've been so beautiful putting those together for everyone. You know, um, tell a little, tell everybody a little bit about the kits because my head's moving in a different direction right now. But tell everybody about the kits we've been putting together and giving to families on the island. Sure. I mean, this is a really small grassroots effort. I'm 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 just one person, but you know, when you and I were communicating back and forth. I was trying to kind of think a couple weeks ahead or a month ahead of what people are going to need. And the first thing I thought was Instapot. You can feed a big family in one pot. It doesn't include fire. Um, you can plug it into your car. You can plug it into the hotel room at the condo. Um, and it's something that you, it's a device that you can use and take with you into your permanent housing once you have it. Um, so that was kind of the first idea with the kit. And then I built on top of that, well, food storage, you know, we live on an Island. We don't want to deal with everything that's disposable. I mean, there's all this, you know, disposable processed food going out to people right now, which is necessary, but in the long term, we want food storage. So we have glass food containers that we're including in the kit. We have a, a cooler bag that we're including in the kit, wooden utensils, because they're non-toxic um, and you need them to cook with, you know? Uh, 
what else do we have going on? Uh, hydro, uh, not hydro flask, but uh, stainless steel water flasks for, for water storage and drinking. Um, those are the types of things that I have included in the kits for people. It all fits in the cooler bag, so it's very easy to take with you. I know people are moving from spot to spot to spot right now, so they do need things that are very portable. We have to set up Caprice um, water purification places for people. Yeah, all the right. problem with the water purification thing is that the places where the water is toxic is you can't purify that water. Um, we still have to do something because we we can. I can take water that's pretty putrid and purify it. But um, we got to get some Alex Pure, Alexa Pure kits out um, to some communities and uh, some distillers out to some communities. Um, so we're going to have to talk offline about that and see if we can start setting up communities so that they can constantly be making and cleaning and purifying water, right? Even the stuff that they're saying is going to be clean. They're going to bring in a bunch of plastic bottle water into these places and saying, drink this. And it's still just polluted water that they're drinking. And then they're bringing plastic onto the island as well. We have to be able to purify the water that's there um, yeah. and give people in these in these communities a, a, a place where you can go and you can take that water and we can clean that water every day and we can clean gallons of water every day in in these enclaves of where folks are going to set up um so we talk about this offline and we've we've got some money that's been coming in people have been so generous and the thing that's nice about ehi is that um you know we have people that trust us you know that they know when the money comes in the money's going right out you know um every penny of it um so to me i think we got to have that conversation about how we're going to set up um water clean water places for folks water that can actually people can bless again and put in so we're very concerned about the heavy metals um i did talk to dr group today with global healing and we're going to be chatting tomorrow about sending out um emergency kits of uh for heavy metal poisoning out to the people as well and helping get keep those livers healthy because to me I didn't I wasn't aware until today of the heavy metals that are clearly being exposed people have been saying hey I'm I'm you know my lungs are hurting and I'm like this doesn't make sense the fires are out this shouldn't be happening right especially it should be some clean air but what people are breathing in is um really all the fumes uh, and all the toxic fumes and everything right so we have to uh we have to send we'll keep learning what you need but we need to know what the people need right i can't we can't help with that um wow um priest what you're doing is awesome i'm just so grateful to everything you're doing out there for the people and there's no such thing as small when we're talking about what we're talking about you know um You know, we got just a couple minutes left in this segment, and I think I'm going to I want to bring you back, all of you, in a few weeks, and let's hear how where things are at. Let's not let this kind of be a 24-hour news cycle kind of thing. I want to hear. I want to hear when the healing is, starts happening. I know it's coming together, but we're not at that place where we have new roots growing yet. So, um, I want to give all of you like uh, really like 30 seconds. You know. And just tell me, you know, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What do you want to say to the people listening in right now? Because I know people listening in want to help. 
right? And we're going to give them that opportunity to help by donating to EHI. And we will, we will take that trust you give us and we'll make sure it stands out really, really good. So um, let's go with uh, Caprice. What do you want to say to, what do you want to say to everybody in your 30 seconds? Yeah, gosh, I, I think that if you are not able to physically be here um, in Maui and help, I do think that donating um, to smaller organizations is probably the way to go. Um, and call people if you if you have questions, call them, check in on them, ask them the few questions you need to, to know in order to feel better about that. Uh, I mean, like, for example, I have friends who own a therapy business. They are they are now starting a fundraiser in order to um, create these therapy groups for the victims. They were in New Jersey during 9-11. And so they kind of have a little bit of a um, mm. background with that. And like with EHI doing the, the kitchen starter kits and looking into purifying water for people. I mean, that, that's a great place to start. If you're thinking about coming to Maui, um, book book your book your uh, trip. You know, in a few months from now, there's businesses that are, are looking at. They're not going to get help from the government because this isn't COVID, um, and they are not affected by the fires, but they are affected by the trickle down. Uh, buy buy gift certificates from these businesses and donate them directly to families if you if you can. Um, or if you're planning to come, go ahead and book your trip and start making um, plans, you know, for four months, six months down the road. Um, there are parts of Maui that are still available to support tourism, not Lahaina, obviously. Um, and yeah, if you're here and you have any skill sets, uh, just utilize them pick one day a week or like in my, my personal case, I um, know a lot of property managers. I also manage property um, for my father over the years. And I am trying to like connect people with property managers and realtors who I know in order to get them into permanent housing. So I'm just trying to play a go between and play the, play the connection game really. Like, who do you know? I know these people you know, um, what do you need? And I think that that is what is really going to help Maui to kind of move forward. Amen. Right. It's going to take steps. We have to take steps together, right? It's not going to be ready, done tomorrow because we threw some money at it. No. Got to do some work too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go, uh, let's go Madeline, you know, really 30 seconds. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Yeah, um, kind of like what Caprice was saying, I'm you know, staying in the condos that we're staying at right now, running into mm -hmm. tourists that had booked their trips and were like, I, you know, everyone on the mainland is telling them not to come, but they need the tourism. Um, Maui will not survive without it. And it's very essential to the livelihoods of everyone here. Assume the worst because the worst just happened. And donate directly to families and to small organizations. It really needs to be very intentional and you need to be very aware of what you're giving your money away to. Right. We're not recommending, obviously, the Red Cross folks. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. Final thoughts, Mindy, go for it. 
You know, we've been helping the community in small ways at, at just people that we run into, you know, at the sandwich shops, at the drugstore, at the grocery store, in the parking lots. We've just, we've gotten a lot of support and we've given a lot of it away and we're going to continue to do that because we can. Mm-hmm. And it's important. It matters. This is what Aloha looks like. This is the doing. It, Madeline was actually in the Vermont, New York floods last month and had to evacuate. Mm. And so if you are in a position where you don't have money or you don't, you know, you don't feel connected, just look around. There are lots of people that you can help to spread the aloha around the world in the small ways that you can in your own neighborhood. If you can help us in this community, great. If you can only do the things that you can do that are in front of you in your town and in your neighborhood, do that. Amen. And you know what? Don't don't overlook a hug uh, or a listening ear. They matter. Yeah. Hug your people, pet your pets, check on your neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all so much for everything that you're doing. Amen. Right. Thank you. All right, folks. That's uh we'll we'll definitely follow up with everybody in a few weeks and see how everybody's doing. We're gonna keep jumping in and helping. This is not something that's gonna be done tomorrow, obviously. This is uh this is major. This is beyond what they're telling us here on the mainland it's clear right um so i just want to end with that i think that's a good message for everybody you know grab the people you love and tell them that tonight you know send that phone call send that message give that hug give that aloha out there and it's felt you know it's it's felt it's palpable and the people in maui will feel it you know it's not just about money it's about love So we say, everybody on the show, you know how we do it. May God shine his divine light down upon us, everyone we love, and surround us in protection of his warm and healing embrace. I'm Dr. H for the Energetic Health Institute and Energetic Health Radio. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this, and thank you so much for donating to help give give us a chance to help these folks, right? And I will do everything I can to continue to earn your trust every day so that you know those dollars go to people. Right. All right. And we'll uh, we'll follow up with these three incredible people and hopefully we keep our fingers on the pulse of what's going on on the sacred heart of uh, Maui. Yeah. All right, everybody. Aloha and adios. Aloha.